0: Eric Liddell was a famous missionary, but he was more famous as a runner. In 1924, he won the 400 meter in the Olympics in Paris. But the 400 meter was not his natural race. His natural race was the 100 meter dash. But because of his convictions around his faith, he sat out that race because of the schedule, it happening on the Sabbath. And it drew extra attention to him, and they doubted that he would be able to win the 400, even though he was successful as a 100-meter dash runner. In the movie Chariots of Fire, this story, it becomes immortalized, and it wins an Academy Award. But we center in on some of the tension that Eric experienced in regards to his faith and what he was gifted with in his talent. He was from a family of missionaries, and many of them challenged him to just be a missionary in China. And in dialogue, we hear him talk to his sister, and he says this, I know that God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. I wonder, do you feel God's pleasure over you? Do you believe that God is pleased with you or that he's consistently disappointed with you? And do you believe that even matters? See, what we find in the scriptures is that this idea of pleasing God and Him being delighted in us and experiencing that pleasure is at the core and the heart of our faith, not just a part or a piece of our faith. It is what God intends for us to be passionate about and to seek. See, many of us want to seek justice in this world, to right wrongs and to end injustice for the oppressed. We want to see revival in our time where there's a spiritual awakening that people experience. Or we want to see signs and miracles and these wonders of God. But before we get to that, God's greatest concern is that we would please Him and experience His pleasure over us. I want you to see that here in Hebrews chapter 11, which is where we've been over these last few weeks. In talking about faith, he says, "'Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. "'It is the evidence of things we cannot see. "'Through their faith, the people in the days of old "'earned a good reputation. "'By faith we understand that the entire universe "'was formed at God's command, "'that what we now see did not come from anything "'that can be seen. "'It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable "'offering to God than Cain did. "'Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, "'and God showed his approval of his gifts.' Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists, and he rewards those who sincerely seek him. I want to look at this story of Enoch because the only thing that we really know about Enoch is that he pleased God by walking with God. He only gets three sentences in the entirety of the scriptures, but his life is attached to this essence of faith that it is impossible for us to please God without faith. But we see that that's one of the goals of our faith is simply to please God and to experience his pleasure. And I just wonder how many of us have gotten distracted from experiencing God's delight in us. We've gotten disturbed by the the events of this life, and so we just haven't experienced God delighting over us. The scriptures repeatedly talk about God being pleased with his creation, dancing over you, delighting in you, being well-pleased with you. For some of us, that's hard to grasp. We can trust that in Jesus, God loves us. But does he like us? Does he enjoy us? God is after us enjoying him more than just doing things with him or for him. And so what I want to do today is remind you of the value that comes from pleasing God, and then the easy way to please God. Because the more I sit in the scriptures, I see that God is very easy to please. Now, that's hard for us to grasp, because we think of God as someone that's easy to offend and very hard to please. But that's because we have made God in our image. Because it is easy as we watch the news and we watch people's reactions to what's going on, that we are very easy to offend and we are very hard to please. But God is the opposite We don't come to a God who is very demanding, impossible to please. We come to a God easy to please. Let me just read to you what it says in the Psalms. In Psalms chapter 103, this is how our God is described. It says, The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. That does not sound like a God, easy to offend and hard to please. God is easy to please, but we must know how. Before we get into that, though, I just want to remind you of the value of pleasing God. See, here with Enoch, it says that he was known as someone that pleased God, and therefore he did not experience death. See, one of the values of pleasing God is that we don't experience some of the pain that this life tends to throw at us. It doesn't mean that we'll escape it altogether. But here in this life of Enoch, we see that he does not experience death. Nor when you look at the story, does he experience the grief of loss of a father or a mother or children, like some of us do. So many of us would love to avoid that pain. And yet throughout the scriptures, we read that if we walk in ways that please the Lord, that we won't experience some of the pain and the trauma that comes from the sin that we choose to participate in. When we walk in ways that please the Lord, we experience his pleasure, but we also experience more pleasure in this life. That's one of the ways, one of the values of pleasing God. But there's more. In Romans 12, we read that when we seek to please God, we discover his will for our life. It says specifically that when we spend time in his word, our minds are changed and we begin to understand his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So many of us would love to know what is God doing in my life right now? What does he have for my future? And when we seek to please him, we discover that. As the values go on, we experience a God that is there to bring us healing and hope. See, when you are around friends or families that you know just enjoy you, that find pleasure in your company, you begin to relax. You begin to open up. You begin to share the areas of your life that are hardest because you know that they will not judge you, but they will try to help you. The same is true when you discover that God is pleased with you. When you begin to walk with him and discover that he enjoys your company, you begin to open up. And those areas of trauma become places where he can triumph. Those areas where you are despairing, he can speak hope into. This is one of the values as we seek to please God. The fourth is that we find peace. Proverbs 16 9 says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. Those obstacles, those difficulties, those things that seem to steal your peace, they don't have to steal your peace when you're pleasing God, when you find yourself in his pleasure. Even that is a place of peace. And the last value that I want to highlight on what it is to please God is that of freedom. I want you to think about experiencing a performance review at work or grading on a paper if you're a student. When you are told that you're doing a good job, when you go through that review process and you get affirmed, it gives you this freedom to run after what you were intended to do. Like Eric Liddell, you run and you experience his pleasure. And so then when you hear God say he is pleased with you, he delights in you, you have this freedom to run after all the purposes that he has for you. See, when we talk about these values of pleasing God, we're really speaking to this motivation at the core that we want to know what's in it for us when we try to go after it in this way. But when I think about this and meditate on this more, I discover that God wants our faith to be fun. Sometimes we don't think of faith and fun as coexisting. Too often, we think of faith as this struggle and overcoming, and, and then there's this, some moments of delight and joy. But God invites us to have faith, to experience fun in this life, no matter what's happening in this life. But we tend to think about it the other way around. When life is good, it's easy for us to believe God is good. But what God says is when you trust that I am good and you experience my pleasure in a relationship, then no matter what life throws at you, you can still experience joy. What I want for you and what I want for me is to not just be motivated by what's in it for me, but just to have fun with God, to walk in this faith in such a way that I experience joy no matter what is happening. And we need a lot of that right now. It feels like we're in the dark days of a grim winter and we can't wait for it to end. The good news is there's less winter ahead than behind us, no matter what that groundhog said. But even in the midst of a grim winter, even in the midst of uncertainty, faith offers us fun. And it doesn't have to be about overcoming challenges, it can just be about experiencing things with God. I was reminded of that a couple weeks ago with my daughter. We went skiing, and it was the first time we'd been skiing for a couple years. And so initially, she was very cautious and safe. But as we began to take the same route over and over and over again, I saw her begin to open up, even at times, just extending her arms out as she was skiing down as fast as she could. And I tried to challenge her and say, hey, why don't we go do those black diamonds? Because we were doing the same route over and over and over again. And on the lift, she said, do you know why I want to keep doing it this way? I said no and she said I just want to have fun (laughs) and I thought in my head what a concept because so much of my motivation is about overcoming challenges conquering the next task and she just reminds me just to have fun and God wants to remind you just to experience joy in him just for the joy just to sing for the experience of joy, to dance to worship music, for the experience of dancing with God, for praying and talking with him, just for the joy and the fun of being in his presence. God wants this to be a relationship of pleasure and delight, not of drudgery and obligation. There is so much value in just seeking to please him. And it's found merely in just finding joy at its core, and the author and the creator of joy by being in his presence. See, that's all that God asks of us. That's why there is an easy way to please God. And when we think about an easy way to please God, I want to remind you that there are very hard ways to please God, and many of you try it. There's two I want to focus on. The, The first is apathy, and the second is achievement, because I think that's where we're tempted right now. And the first is just an apathy of, does God actually care? We actually see that with Cain and Abel in this story. Abel thinks that God cares about what he's going to offer to him. And so he takes good uh, care in what he gives to him of what he has grown and made. Cain thinks, God doesn't really care what I produce for him. Like So if I give him this, it doesn't really matter. And he gives him a careless gift. He gives him careless time. Doesn't even really give attention to what God may want. Right now, in the midst of life's challenges and struggles and bad news left and right and COVID not being over, too many of us have chosen apathy towards God. We are missing out on being aware of God's presence in every single moment, in the mundane, not just the monumental. So we need to reject apathy. But the second is too often a temptation for us, and that's one of achievement. Where we take this religious approach of, I'm gonna do the right thing for God, and then He'll be pleased. And if I do the right thing, then He's gonna return to me in a transactional relationship. See, God doesn't want us to do these hard routes, because if you seek to try to achieve for God, when do you know if you've done enough? Scriptures say you can actually never do enough, because we're dealing with a perfect and holy and righteous God. And all of us fall short of that, except for Christ. Christ has done all the achieving. Christ rejected apathy and entered into the moment. And in the face of those things, the easy way to please God is shown in this life of Enoch. The first is simply faith. And the second is just to simply walk with God. In faith, it says that we must believe that God is real and a rewarder. Not just that he exists, though that matters. And not only that he exists as some distant deity, but he's real and present now. And if something is real, you don't ignore it. If a human is real right in front of you and around you, you don't just pretend it doesn't exist. And so you engage with God because he is there to engage with you. But the second is that he rewards those who engage with him. See, God's goodness is that he is such as a father who has compassion on his children, but he can't wait to give good gifts to his children. He is the father of every good gift. And he is longing for you and I to trust him in that. And too many of us are doubting that right now. But every time you doubt, the scriptures tell us look back and remember. Remember the gospel of Jesus Christ that even though you didn't deserve it, he died on your behalf to destroy everything that separated you from this pleasurable relationship so that in his resurrection, you could have life and life abundantly. And in Romans, we're reminded that if, it if he did not spare his only son, but he gave him that, how will he not freely give you all things? See, when it comes to faith, it is believing that what God says he will do He does. And God has said he will provide for your every need. And he will provide for your every need. God says he longs to heal you, that he is the healer. And so God says, I will heal you. And we hear that and we say, but I have this physical ailment that I've dealt with forever. And yes, God wants to heal your body temporarily. But we all know that (laughs) healing physically is always temporarily it is a temporary blessing that you would seek the true healing of your soul, of your mind, of your relationship, of reconciled with God. See, God is faithful. If he says it, he'll do it. He is a man of his word. And so he invites us in this easy way to please him, just to trust that he's faithful. But the second is when we look at Enoch, we discover that Enoch didn't please God because of his performance. We don't actually know if he did anything for God. It says Enoch pleased God by simply walking with God. Now, when we hear that phrase, walking with God, there can be a hyper spiritual version. And and growing up and being in, in the church and being in faith, there were a lot of times where people would say, How is your walk with God? And so many times they just meant your spiritual disciplines. Are are you praying with God daily? Are you reading his word? Are you doing these religious things you're supposed to be doing? How is your walk with God? But this isn't some mystical, spiritual walking, metaphorical. What they were experiencing was very literal. See, in Adam and Eve, in the story of the garden, we hear that God comes to walk with them in the cool of the day. How does someone that went to be present, literally, in their presence at all times, and so Enoch was not someone that figuratively, metaphorically believed that he was someone who literally walked with God, and now in the New Testament, when we see that Jesus is now resurrected, when we place our faith, His Spirit is with us, and we are called to walk by the Spirit, literally as if we're walking with God physically with us at every time. So when I say, how is your walk with God? My question is, where is God in your life? Is he literally and physically with you now? Is he walking with you to your workplace, even if it's five feet from your bed? Is God walking into your work or Did you shut the door when you went into the workplace and faith was only reserved for this moment, but not that? See, this invitation to walk with God is to say, remember those monumental experiences you've had with God. Maybe in the middle of worship, you had this overwhelming emotional experience that God was with you. Maybe you've experienced miracles and that moment where God just does something that blows your mind where he speaks to you through a friend in such a unique way, like Marcy talked about last week with Jesus at the well. These monumental moments, God means for those to be regular because he's real and he's rewarding you every time you seek him. God invites us to walk with him. And when we look at the life of Enoch, we are set free from thinking that we can do something to God to make him pleased with us other than just being with God in his presence. So how is your walk with God? See, I think there's three ways that we walk with God that we need to address right now. The first is that some of us are not walking with God at all. We're actually hiding from God. That's what Adam and Eve did when they failed God. They felt guilt, they felt shame, and so they just avoided God. They tried to escape from God as if God didn't know what they had done, but God goes after them. God wants to keep walking with them. God keeps wanting to be with you because he's not asking you to be a perfect walker. He's asking you to persistently walk with him. That when you are imperfect, when you fail to live up to his standards, just to come back to him, See, because Enoch is not the only one who escaped death in the Bible. We read of Elijah the prophet. But Elijah the prophet was a very flawed prophet. He did not do what God asked him to do regularly. He actually ran from God over and over and over again. But he always came back. He always came back. See, in our walk with God, we are going to veer away from him and then hide from him. But in his grace, he'll always pursue us. He simply asks that we come back to him regularly. And we do so through repentance, acknowledging our sin, and saying, we're going to go the other direction with you, God. We do so just by returning to him as we would a faithful friend, a faithful parent, a faithful lover, someone that we would come back and say, I'm sorry. And we experience that reconciled relationship. Where are you hiding from God? All of us have a place where we're hiding from him. There's places where we said, please, enter in and lead me. And there's others where we're like, not that area, not right now. Some of us have said, I want you to lead me as I pray, but don't touch my money. I want you to lead me in my relationships, but don't touch my career. I want you to lead me in this way, but don't tell me where to live. So God wants to walk with you in every part of the day. Where are you hiding? And how do you let God walk with you into the hiding place? Because as we see with Adam and Eve, he graciously covers over any sin, any failure, and then redeems it for us. But the second version of walking is those destination walkers. And those of us who are New Yorkers, we know what that means. See, when we walk around the city, most of us have a goal in mind and we are racing towards it. (laughs) I am a destination walker. I'm a fast walker, and I believe everyone should be a fast walker. When I go walking with my family, my family often reminds me, hey, Dad, you're walking ahead of us. Why don't you walk with us? See, in this way, when we do that with God, we're not letting Him lead the way. We're just trying to run after what we want. We're just trying to get where we know we're going. If God wants to come along, great. (laughs) But I got a goal in mind. Some of you right now just need to slow down, sit with God. And that may feel uncomfortable. But over this last week, I just heard God say, just be still and know that I'm God. Quit running and racing from one thing to the next. Just sit, walk slowly with me. Let's walk together. The third walker is the distracted walker. Uh, I've been watching uh, Martin Scorsese's interview with Fran Lebowitz on uh, on Netflix. It's called Pretend It's a City. And the phrase comes from her walking around the city and seeing everyone distracted on their phones to the point where they are walking into her. And she actually doesn't move out of the way. She wants to wake them up. And when that happens, she wants to say to them, "Pretend it's a city." And it's a mocking phrase because it is a city. But in our distraction, we will gladly run into other things, other people, and just avoid what matters most. And then as a distracted walker, the invitation is to pretend God is with you, because God is with you. It's to stop being distracted. Because when you begin to focus on God, you discover that He is better than whatever is on your screen. He is more hopeful than every news that you want to watch. He is more accepting than any person you'd ever want to spend time with. How are you distracting yourself from simply walking with God? God is easy to please, and He wants us to be a people who seek justice. He wants us to be a people that seek after revival in this city, that rebuild it in His image, not in the image of mankind. He wants us to be a people that experience signs and wonders and miracles and healing and all that life has to offer. He wants us to have that. But it begins by simply seeking His pleasure and experiencing a relationship of pleasure. And that starts with faith. And simply walking with God. How is your walk with God? However it's been this week, however it's been this year, however it's been for years, his invitation is to not try to make up for lost time. But his invitation is, come walk with me. Come walk with me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you want to have fun with us, do you want us to enjoy your pleasure over us? That you want to invite us into a relationship of joy and peace? God, forgive us for how we're running after other things. But let us do exactly what you've called us to by walking with you and experience your pleasure. I ask this in Christ's name. Amen.